0: Continuing on, we're now down to verse 9 of chapter 1. For they themselves are people reporting in the churches what kind of reception we had when we came to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. So again, they responded very well, better than most of the churches he was establishing. So he had visited them and was well-received, They uh, repented and confessed Christ as Lord and started to serve him. And they started to look for the Lord's return. Now, these were not Jews or any other groups. These were Greeks, Gentiles. Most of this church was made up of them. And this is who he's talking about, the Gentiles. And that's why I was so impressed. There weren't many converted Jews In this church at this time. The strong Jewish community was fighting everything they did. They didn't want the Gentiles to come to God, whether it was Christ or not. They were like the ones in Jerusalem. They thought the Gentiles were cursed, and they weren't interested in giving them. And that's one of the reasons God rejected them. They were judging everybody else, and yet they were living worse than the Gentiles were. The scripture said, God said, the gentiles blasphemed god because of the way you live and god offered the gospel and cut them off and he eventually destroyed the temple had it destroyed and the system and he was dealing with mainly gentile and there was no special mission after paul's gone we see no special mission to the jews they had to come to christ like every gentile did there was no, they weren't nobody special god abolished the system what no longer the old Jewish, it was the new church, which was everyone who comes to the Lord. And they were on equal standing, one in Christ. Okay? So that's why I was impressed also. They were mainly Greeks and Gentiles. So they were not only serving the Lord, but they were looking for his coming, Christ from heaven. Most likely not the second coming, but what we call the rapture because there are certain things they didn't find out till later. Uh, we're still waiting for the second coming. Uh, the rapture could have happened during Paul's time, could happen any time, and they were told to be ready. Sometimes it seems like Paul contradicts himself. He's talking once, and he says, and we that are alive will be caught up with him. And then later on, In one of his epistles, years later, he said, I must shortly put off my tabernacle. He knew he wasn't going to be raptured. He was going to be martyred for the Lord. He accepted that fact. But it appears he didn't always know that. And so he looked forward to this once it was explained. And so he was still waiting. So we see, we'll explain later, the dead in Christ, people, some may may live in the body, will resurrect and be joined to their spirit soul. That's at the rapture. Those who are alive will be, in an instant, a twinkle of an eye, we will put on the nature. Can you imagine that? Well, the twinkling of an eye, Satan was cast down like lightning. Anything holy in him was removed instantly. Nothing but evil and corruption. His wisdom, beyond repentance, beyond desire, total wicked. So when we are alive, if we're caught up and changed, we're going to be like angels instantly. We won't have the old nature. We won't have the original sin. We don't have temptations or anything of this world. And he's going to do it in less than a second. Isn't that marvelous? He's going to give us a a body like unto Christ. And the angels and it's all to be done that fast so i guess time doesn't have much to do with god he's not confined with these things like we are okay so we see then at the rapture he comes for the saints the christians at the second coming he comes with the saints to judge the wicked of the world and to set up the millennium reign so when he comes as the king and judge By his mouth, the sword from his mouth, he will consume most of the wicked in the world. This is when they'll run to the mountains and caves and let us hide from the wrath of the Lamb. So this isn't sweet Jesus coming. This isn't Jesus saying, oh, I want to save you. He's coming with the wrath of God, for he is God. He is one with the Father at the the white throne judgment because he's the Almighty. And it says it will be the Almighty. So we don't have to split hairs on this. One throne, remember. okay. One light. It says in the New Jerusalem, in the Holy... It said there'll be no need of light, for God and the Lamb will be the light. See, it speaks of them both as being the light, and they will illuminate. He will raise those who died in Christ... Proof that they've been redeemed and rescued and kept from the wrath of God. We'll talk about that in the next verse. But look at Philippians chapter 3. Look at verse 11. Now this is Paul speaking, the apostle. He's the only one of them that said, be examples of me as I am of Christ. We would think that would be a, a little arrogant for anybody to say. He was given that permission to speak this. Nobody challenged it. And But what does he say in verse 11? If by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, at this time, he's speaking, I may die, but I'll have to be resurrected later. Earlier, he's saying, we will be caught up. So you can split hairs all you want. He either got more enlightenment or we're missing something. So at one time he's looking for the rapture, the other he wants to attain to the bodily resurrection. Okay, And so we see that in Philippians. And then Paul warns to flee from the wrath to come. So believe when the Lord raises the bodies and changes them with the living Christian at the same time, the wicked, I've seen some, and it may be, I don't know, they may have a separate resurrection not together with the Christian at the rapture or the later on, but it said they'll be resurrected and given a body fit for damnation. They're gonna have a resurrection, and their bodies can be fit to be punished for eternity. It ain't gonna be no physical body only. It's gonna be a unique body, and God'll make sure, okay, because they're wicked, okay? So we see in the In time when the antichrist is ruling and they turn and take the mark of the beast and they're warned not to by the angels in heaven uh, given a message anyone who takes this will be cast into the lake of fire they'll pass repentance and the revelation says and the smoke of their torment will arise before Christ and his angels forever their body of damnation that's been risen will produce smoke for eternity as a memorial. So whatever kind of body it is, it's going to keep giving off smoke to prove they're burning, they're being tormented. That is the wrath of God that people don't like facing. See, all we hear about is the love of Jesus, love of God. They don't know much about holiness and what God does to those who don't receive him. He becomes the eternal consuming fire. Hebrews says, fear and serve him with reverence. He's talking to the Christian. For our God is the consuming fire. He's not talking about purifying anybody. He's talking about judgment. If you don't serve and reverence him and you fall away, he will be your enemy for eternity. Okay? Later on, we'll talk about the different views on the resurrection. Some people believe the Most of them believe the resurrection is just the body and joins the spirit. Some people believe in soul sleep, that they are waiting. The Bible does speak, and we'll explain both. I've evaluated them. I have my opinion. I say it don't matter if you're with the Lord or sleeping, you're still in the Lord. You ain't going to miss nothing. If they sleep, it'll seem like a second and a hundred thousand years will go by. It won't matter. People say, well, to be absent from the bodies is the president the Lord. Well, those sleeping in Christ are present with the Lord. So we don't have to haggle. But we'll get into that in another chapter and explain what the views are. These views are not necessary heresy. So we can disagree on tribulation period, this, that. We can't on main heresies of who Christ is and practicing sin and not living right. Those are blatant plain. These others are mysteries, and some of us can't figure out. And and the best of scholars to love the Lord, they still disagree on some of these things. And I sometimes think if they can't get it together, I don't know if everything I believe is exactly right on those things. They're smarter than I am. Uh-huh. So we see then, verse 10. And so they wait. We're to wait in verse 10 for his son from heaven, whom he raised. Uh, from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. This is the first part he's mentioning. He does it in every chapter. That was one of the things with Thessalonians. They had questions, that the Christians that died during that year, what would happen to them when the Lord came? They didn't fully. And so Paul seeks to explain these things because they were looking for him to come back. So he tells us something here that people forget. He rescues us. When he saved us, he didn't just save us for himself. Which He kept us from hellfire and from the judgment. God doesn't overlook anything. He's holy. He's perfect in justice. Every idle word that a wicked man does, he's going to answer for in hell. Every good deed that a Christian does in Christ's name and Christ in him is that will not go unrewarded. And so when people say, well, I'll be happy just to get there, don't insult God. It's his righteousness. As Hebrews says, he's not unrighteous to forget you Christians that have serviced the saints. He implies it would be unrighteous of God not to do it. See, his nature rewards righteousness and unrighteousness. And those that are in Christ have righteousness, and the things they do will be evaluated. And if it's not done in the right spirit or by Christ's leading, it burns up. But they don't burn up. (laughs) See, it's their works that are being judged. The wicked will be judged for who they are, wicked, and their wicked works. They'll all come up. So he's hiding us from the wrath of the Lamb because it's coming. And when the Lord returns the second time, millions and millions, maybe billions, Will be destroyed and sent to hell by God's wrath. We'll get into that later, too. Okay, but chapter 2 says, one, for you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. Uh, We came and we preached and you repented and believed our ministry, so the message and our mission was not useless or vain. Paul had some hard words. For those in Corinth and Galatia. He talked about the Galatians falling away, going back to the law of Moses, the Judaizers misguiding them. Well, let's take a few of those scripture if we have time, but we'll go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. O foolish Galatians, unwise is what it means, Who has bewitched you, deceived you, that you should not obey the truth, the gospel of Christ, that we've been delivered from the law of Moses and all the ceremonies. It's been abolished, and that's what he's saying. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was portrayed clearly and was crucified for you. And this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit, that's the Spirit of Christ, that entered you when you were born again, by the works of the law of Moses or by the hearing of faith? Well, it was by the hearing of faith. But they were, Judaizers were coming in there and persuading some of them, oh yeah, you can be saved through Jesus, but you have to be circumcised and keep the law. So they were trying to mix it. And then they could accept Jesus as a prophet, even though they didn't believe he was the divine nature. So you can see how deceitful they were. They wanted to bring the, the proselytes under their control. Paul didn't talk about Gentiles becoming proselytes. See, the only way you could become a member of the is you had to become a proselyte, and you were still considered a second-rate citizen. Well, Paul was saying you're equal to Jews, and they don't like that. <laughs> okay, Galatians again. 4, 16, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? He was saying what? You're going back to the law. You're losing something. He told the Hebrews, you'll have to trample the blood of Christ to do it. You'll have to insult the spirit of grace. So you're going to forfeit Jesus. You're going to crucify him afresh. And Paul warned of the judgments to come. And then look at 4, verse 19. And twenty, my little children, he's speaking to the whole church, of whom I labor in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. They had to be born again again. Some of them that already turned away. And so he's saying, I'm gonna pray that you'll consider these things and come back to the Lord. So, uh, people, say, oh, we can't be born again twice. You can be born again several times as long as God puts up with you. But he that is often reproved and keeps doing something and is not corrected, said he'll be cut off and without remedy. God will be gracious to whom he will be gracious, and he will harden who he wants to. So people should not play with the grace of God. They don't know when he'll shut the door. Okay? He said, I would like to be present with you and to change my tone. What was his tone? You need to be born again, again, for I have doubts about you. He's not speaking of all of them. He's saying, I have doubts about some of you. He told the Corinthians, perhaps you've been disqualified. Perhaps you're not a Christian no more. He'd find out when he came to visit them. So he had hard words for the Galatians. He didn't for the Thessalonians. He just didn't have nothing bad to say about them. Verse 2, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, the Jews had created troubles there too. We had the boldness in God to speak to you the gospel of God among much opposition. They were driven out of here, and they had to watch for their life and a few as his workers, and they left. And sometimes God gives wisdom, say leave. Remember Paul escaped in a basket once. He didn't say, well, the Lord will protect me. God didn't tell him. He helped him get out. He'll either deliver us in or out of the situation. That's his prerogative. But do not presume on the Lord. If he hasn't given you the word, that's called presumption. And whatever not, is not of trust and faith that comes from hearing the word of the Lord, Paul said it's sin. You shouldn't do stuff. He said if you question what you're doing, even if it's right, you're sinning. See, because you're being presumptuous. You had to have faith and instruction, and then you can do things. This is mainly talking to Jewish converts that had a hard time stopping certain things of the law. They were still doing them. They couldn't eat certain meats. They couldn't do this. And Paul was saying they could do as they pleased, but if they thought it was wrong, then don't eat it. He was waiting. You study the Word and see the Word, then the Spirit enlightens you. Then you can say, oh, I can eat this. But you don't see another Christian do it and say, well, he's more spiritual than me, so I guess I can do it. It doesn't work that way, okay? So they were persecuted by the Jews. The Jews had a large community in this area. And, of course, they got messages from all over Judea to cause trouble for Paul wherever he went that they had Jews. They wanted to stir up trouble. But he had boldness, and they were attacked. And they still gave the gospel. One of the prayers of Paul when he asked the Christians to pray for him, pray that I'll be given boldness to speak the word, because he got excessively persecuted. He got stoned, he got beat, he got put in prison, more so than the apostles in Jerusalem. And they were living right where the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin was. So I do think it may have been part of the messenger of Satan to keep him humble, God permitted it. He got so many revelations, and he said, I'll come to more that I'd get too proud and arrogant. And when a person does that, God has no use for them. He said, That's why you don't put a novice, a new Christian, in authority. You don't make them teachers. You don't do that. He said, Lest they get puffed up as the devil and be rejected. See, the devil somehow got puffed up, he corrupted the wisdom. He was higher than all of the beings. And somehow, because God gave him free will, he turned this. And he said, I will ascend and be like the most high God. His name meant light bearer. He wanted to be a light. And after God run the test, one third of the angels sided with him. And in a striking of lightning, they were thrown out of heaven once the testing was over. Okay. Verse three. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit. Okay? Our exhortation was pure and true. That exhortation meant preaching and their teaching, their encouragement and admonishment. The prophet's ministry, and he was an apostle and a prophet, was to exhort, to rebuke, to reveal, to give what God's mind is in the matter. That's what it was. It was to teach and proclaim things. So exhortation, you can be an exhorter without being a prophet's ministry. Most exhorters, if they're from God, is a real preacher. But see, most that are even true, they think their whole job is evangelism. They failed. The pastor and the preacher's job is to build up the saints. It's not necessary to, to put an emphasis on saving people. When people come into the church and they can hear the message, but many times they give the same message every week and that's why the Christian starves and never grows up because the ministers aren't doing what they're called to do. The normal New Testament prophet was to build up the saints and instruct them. God had evangelists to go to the center, more so. But the local pastor and elders were for the Christian They weren't mainly for the unbeliever. They invited the unbeliever. They didn't accept them in fellowship, and they didn't debate with them. They were asked to leave if they caused trouble. But nowadays, I went to a, first saved the first year, I went to a church, and for nine months, every week, it was a salvation message. Every week, it was rededicating. What is wrong here? Well, they were ultra-Calvinistic. Most important thing to do was get somebody saved. And then when I went to Sunday school and seen people been Christian for 20 and 30 years, I knew more than they knew and I'd only been a Christian nine months. And I was astounded. I said, something wrong here. They told me, you need to go talk to the minister. They thought I was deep. I was only nine months, but I studied my Bible two hours a night for several years. So uh, if you do that, and you're honest, you'll learn something and the Lord will help you. But they were the same year after year, and all they could talk about is, we're saved, we're saved. And they sin all week long and come back, just like the Catholics go to confessional, they go and rededicate themselves. I said, well, something's wrong here. But that's why they don't grow. They're given a false gospel. They don't last long. And even if some of them got saved, they won't last long unless they labor in the word themselves and get God's help the church ain't going to help them because they're preaching nonsense okay well I think I've said enough on that okay so then God we find the word would include staying in Christ and faith the fear of the Lord you don't hear of that anymore Paul said continue in the fear of the Lord and that was when Ananias and Sapphira I believe were struck dead it said fear fell upon the church the true Christian said, you don't lie to God. The people think they can get away with things because they're a Christian. Oh, once saved, always saved. Well, Ananias and fire found out something different. He cut them off in their sin, which means they could not be saved. They were judged in their sin. There was no place for repentance. And that's how it's going to be when the Lord returns. There ain't going to be no place for repentance. And that's why they're going to flee and run in terror Something's going to instinctively tell them there's something horrible waiting for them and the Lamb of God is going to do it, okay? Uh-huh. Goodwill is over them. So he would judge the wicked and he would warn the Christian to stay with Christ for through much tribulation you entered the kingdom. They weren't told, oh, now you've said the prayer you're safe. You are not the to worry. These are lying shepherds. You don't find that in scripture. We're under a warfare. We're under a probation. We're under a pilgrimage. And we have to be faithful to the end. That is what Jesus meant when he said, he that overcomes. Now, they take one scripture from John, well, he that believes in Christ has overcome, and they make that the standard. No, that means in the present. If you're in the Lord now, you're an overcomer. But then you're guaranteed. You have to keep overcoming. You have to resist temptation. You have to follow the Lord. You have to have weapons of warfare. You must endure things, and God gives grace, and use the grace as he gives. And if you don't use the grace, you get no grace. See? And the lion shepherds, it's all free, and I don't have to. It's because they're deceived, and they want to believe lies. So God says, let them believe it. Jesus told the Pharisees and scribes. Peter talked about. He said, "You've offended them." He said, "Leave them alone. They'll both fall in a ditch." He was saying the ones listening to him and them are going to hell. He said, "Leave them alone." People don't like that. Paul said in the churches, "He said you warn a heretic two or three times. It means you correct him and tell him what's wrong. If he don't listen, they said have nothing to do with him. Throw him out." They wouldn't have nothing to do with it. They don't do that. Now they invite every, the worst sinners, and that's nice, but the people are still sinning. The church, I've heard people say, well, the church is for sinners. No, it's not. It's for believers who are living righteously. And if they keep sinning, they're supposed to be thrown out of the church. So that's nothing but humanism, and most of the shepherds of the churches are devil servants, and half of them don't know it, okay? They think they're preaching the love of God. Well, they're going to see the wrath of God, and they'll say, oh, well, that's a facet of God we don't want to talk about. Oh, I've had people tell me, I only want a positive word. I said, well, you won't get it, and you're going to hell. i shock them up a little bit. I said, if you're saying, I only hear a good word, and you're bad, you're on your way to hell, because you don't want to be instructed. Proverbs speaks about that. See, a person that don't want to hear correction courts death. Turns his way from the truth, He said God will despise him at the end. You know, people don't like that scripture. This a Psalms, a proverb, and God says, "I hate and despise the wicked." Isn't that something? What whatever happened to that? Uh huh. And Jesus, when that great word about the Son came to redeem us, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Oh, they loved that. But a few scriptures later, says, "And he that does not believe, and it means obey and follow." The Lamb, Christ, the wrath of God remains on him. What is the wrath of God? God's anger and displeasure, and he's holding off vengeance against wicked people. So the Bible says those who reject the gospel, that's God's attitude. He ain't said, Oh, I love them so much and go to them again. You don't find that in Scripture. Paul said to people that rejected him, He shook the dust off his feet. He says, You judge yourselves unworthy of the kingdom. Well, see, they don't want to hear about that God. They want the Santa Claus Jesus. Well, they're going to get something at the end, but it ain't going to be what they're expecting. And so we see that one day the wicked will be so judged, that's going to be the wrath of God. And Christ, Paul says, has saved us from the wrath of God. Being in Christ, that's why he said, I'll do anything, he said. This is Paul. I'll do anything to attain to the resurrection. Because he knew if you don't attain to it, you're going to hell, the lake of fire, and experience the wrath, displeasure, and utter contempt. God doesn't give them a second thought in hell. That's why it's called outer darkness. As farther away from God the light you can be, he disregards them. See, they don't like that. That's who God's saying, I am. Therefore, people need to learn how to fear the Lord properly, a Christian don't have to fear anything but sin against it's God and being rejected. Even Jesus said, the worst a person can do is kill you. He said, God can kill you and send your soul to hell. This is Jesus talking, okay? Now look at Revelations quickly before we end this lesson. Revelation sixteen fifteen. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Now this is most likely the rapture. Second coming, we'll see things working up to it rapture, a thief comes, you don't know what hour. And that's why Jesus said, if you know he's coming, you stay up, wait for him. But if you don't know what hour he's coming, we'll see the second coming, they know certain events are going to happen. But the rapture can come at any time. So he says, behold, I am coming as a thief. It is astounding Christ likens himself to a wicked thief because they steal and rob, and they try to do it without you knowing it. So he says, I'm going to come like that in the middle of the night, middle of the day. You won't know. So be ready and be watchful. Be always watching to catch it. And that's what he meant. And blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. The Bible said, keep your garments pure and your lamps lit. Well, that was the foolish virgins. They slept and their lamps went out. Uh Uh-huh. He said, lest you walk in nakedness and they see your shame. What is the nakedness? No righteousness. You don't have the righteousness of Christ. So your shame will be for God. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's talking about. And like I said, that's most likely the rapture. And Then, 21. So, in 21, look at verse 7 and 8. And he who overcomes shall inherit these things. Some say all things. Well, whatever. When God was speaking to the seven churches, that applies, all of the gifts to the overcomer apply to all Christians. He just elevates certain ones and speaks of them a different way, how the certain churches are reacting to a certain thing. But we inherit everything that God has intended for us. And our rewards will be measured so the person that gets the least reward in heaven is going to be happy. He's not going to be jealous and envious of anybody else. And it says the former things will pass away. So we will not have to live in heaven saying, oh, I didn't do this. At the judgment seat of Christ, we'll be aware of things. And then when it passes, there'll be no regrets or grieving in heaven. And we'll be happy and satisfied with our standing. And we won't be jealous of others. We think, oh, they did much better with what they were given than I did okay? They're not envious. They don't have the old nature. He said, he that overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That's permanent. Now, Paul said, having these promises, let's cleanse ourselves from the filthy spirit and soul and body. He said, if you come out from among them and be separate, don't live like the world. He said, I will be Your father, you'll be my sons and daughters. And the implication was, if you don't come out, I'm not going to be your father. Because he's only the father of the righteous and the holy. He don't have bastards. He don't have rebellious children. Uh, Don't work that way. That's why he's dealing with us, as David understood. He said, the righteous are afflicted all day long. We are corrected in this life. We have sometimes a harder life, than some wicked people. Job, he said, I envied them. And you looked at them, everything goes well. And then the psalmist said, oh yeah, I used to envy them until I went to the house of the Lord and seen their terror. It meant God had given up on them. They were bastards. He let them find their life. They're going to pay for every sin. So the longer a wicked person lives, the more sinful, more punishment he's going to get in hell. Because everything he does is going to be recorded. So that's sort of So we shouldn't envy the wicked. Everybody gets what they deserve. God's going to see to it. Those who are given more grace will answer for more grace if they don't use it. Okay? So there is no place for competition and envy among true Christians. Okay, verse 8. But the cowardly, the word is fearful, mainly fearful of serving the Lord. Proverbs speaks about it. A lot of people in hell... Not because they don't believe God is God and Christ is Christ. They don't want people to mock them. They have pride. They don't want to be made fun of. They don't want to be called a fanatic, a holier than Uh y'all. So they don't really want to be leaked. They don't want to be a fanatic. The word fanatic comes from the word that means fan. Well, if you're not a fan of Jesus, you're not his. So they don't want too much religion. See, they're more worried about what people think. And I've had people tell me this when I counseled their pride. I said, but they're gonna. most of those people you're worried about, they're going to be in hell. And their opinion ain't going to mean nothing. And you're going to go to hell because of those stupid people's opinion? And I thought, hmm, we need some enlightenment, don't we? But the person that's a coward to serve and stay with the Lord. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But he said, you deny me, I'll deny you. But the unbelieving, the word is a sinner or the unfaithful one, that's what he's talking about, that won't serve the Lord. The abominable, those who are vile. Abomination means despised and hateful. God said, He said, what's highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. What people of the world fancy and all the movie stars and the wealthy people want to live better than... You. God despises that. John he said, if you love the world, the love of the is not in you. If you act like the world and want to compete with the world, that's what you are. And he said, and God detests it. That's what abomination means. He despises it. Okay? He doesn't change. And murderers, those who kill people, and the sexually immoral, that includes most of mankind, Sorcerers, those into uh, witchcraft and divination, like Israel went after at times, idolaters. You serve anything other than Christ, you're an idolater. The prosperity faith people, many of them are idolaters. They're into covetousness and materialism. They love things better than God. Uh-huh. They love pleasures more than they do God. They worship what God has made, instead of God himself. That's what Romans says. Okay, And all liars, God does not like liars, Okay, and all liars, they shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Well, people should think about this. They're going to spend eternity. You're either going to serve the Lord or you're not but there's only two places to go. And they're going to have a body that's going to give off smoke from the tormenting flame. That's the horror of hell. And God warns people. And Paul said, flee from the wrath to come. He didn't say Jesus did. You know, people think, oh, Jesus came, and now God's not mean anymore and hard. He's the same God. And it's called the wrath of the Lamb. The one who died on the cross to redeem people, is going to be the judge and consign the wicked to the lake of fire. Let's go ahead and close now. Lord, give us wisdom to live this life and to remind ourselves. Peter said, you know these things, but I'm writing you so you'll have a reminder when I'm gone. And that reminder was to stay in Christ and please God. And he said, prove your election prove that you're God's by the way you live. You can't prove it any other way. Help us do this in Jesus' name. Amen.